Sam was was raving about how hilarious these companion characters are and stuff. And I was like, oh, I didn't know they were companion characters because I killed everybody. Scotch. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 230 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Skeleton Seth, and I'm the Bones Cracker. <laughs> the, okay, nice, the Bones Cracker. <laughs> I'm a damned soul, <gasps> and I have a damned soul. Oh, oh I'm Sam Hain, the Gaelic festival that preceded Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Still <laughs> celebrated by Wiccans and some other folks to this Very day. spooky. Yeah. Whoa. Watch out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm spooked. Uh, Didn't see that one coming. This is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is Halloween, 2019. Uh, that rhymed. But also, <laughs> this episode comes out like six days later, That's so true. it's going to be a little bit disorienting probably because if you're listening, you're probably like, it's turkey time. I'm ready. I got mm-hmm. my turkey. And actually, I'm, if you've been to any stores, it's Christmas time. Apparently. So. Yeah. It creeps wow. closer every year. Is this is this something that happens everywhere, or or is this is is the Christmas creep worldwide, or is it mostly in America? This is what I'm talking about, though. Because it's, it's literally Halloween, and all you can talk about is Christmas they, right now. They, they succeeded terrible. It's like a mind control device. Yeah. Twitter's brand or not Twitter Christmas, <laughs> Christmas's branding is on point. Christmas yeah. needs a Twitter feed. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be profanity in this show, and it's going to be real, some real spooky. Mm-hmm. Lots so, of cursing. If you're a child, then you, apparently you can't listen. But you can trick-or-treat, which kind of frankly evens out at the end of the day. Yeah. You don't get to trick-or-treat as an adult unless you have a child with you. It's like they're your chaperone to be able they to They do get have candy. to work to trick-or-treat because you got to like get a costume. So isn't this child labor? You, know? mm-hmm. you can't just go to someone's house just as you are and just have some candy. Right, you gotta yeah, you gotta work, work for it. For it. Which, you gotta work for it, and I, I feel like that's uh, they're probably not reporting that. No, on their that, that needs to probably go on taxes somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotta report that candy to yeah, the there, IRS. There's a certain the question is really like what's the what's the point of no return where you can no longer trick or treat without being a weirdo. I feel like even when you're a teen, people start being like people start get getting, out of here, people start teen. getting mad about yeah. It. yeah. We had people get mad. I think it was like 16 or so. I went and did it with some friends. Like we were like, oh, let's go do it again. And Is it like, once, like, what are you doing? I think it's. <laughs> one, I think it's once you <laughs> can have buy your own candy. That's probably what it is. That's. I think that's uh, the point. Yeah. Because they're like, what are you freeloader? Get out of here! Because now you should just be buying your own candy or buying candy for the kids who can't buy their own candy. Mm. Ah, that sounds like socialism. That's true. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you should have to work for your candy. Mm-hmm. Like as you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we like to also thank our supporters over at MoneyGrab.Bscash.Net who are giving us money. So thanks a lot for that. Mm-hmm. We also like to support. I mean. We also like to be supported by all of other supporters <laughs> everywhere else, supporting us in all the ways that they support us. That's right. Thanks a lot, guys. We appreciate yep. it. Yep. Uh, let's talk about life, specifically the outer worlds, not wilds. I no. want to clarify. That damn game name, because it just outer slips wilds, off of all brains. Outer Wilds came out a while ago. A while right. ago. Did it? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure, yeah. It was okay. outer uh, wilds, two months ago, two or three months ago. Yeah. And then it was recently, but not like. Mm-hmm. And that was also now. a spacefaring adventure game. Was it? It was. And then with like time loops or something. Mm. And then Outer Wilds, not Outer Worlds. Wait. Outer Outer Worlds. (laughs) (laughs) I literally can't. Like every time I say it now, it just blends. It's one of the two. Outer Uh Worlds came later. I'm just going to call it OW. OW. But the other one's also (laughs) abbreviated. Yeah, but but you know what I mean when I say OW. Okay. Okay, So this new game, OW, comes out. Uh And it's made by Obsidian, who made Fallout New Vegas. Yes. yes, which was very good for those who recall the back of those days, back of the back of the day. Mm-hmm. And this game basically feels like just sort of to me, it feels like a modern version of a Fallout Three. Yeah, and four. one that isn't just gray and sepia. Yeah, it's so colorful, so yeah. fun. Uh, it has a lot of the same sort of you know uh, capitalism destroys everything sorts of undertones uh-huh. in it or overtones. Yeah, it's uh, not super <laughs> about it. That's kind of the whole game. Uh, but the, the extent to which the writing is so good. Yeah, uh, it's one of the few games where I'm just like I'm actually playing it just because I want to help out my little terrible crewmates who have all <laughs> sorts of issues, and I just love them. I just love uh-huh. every single one of them except for Ellie. Ellie just annoys me. And so this is one of those kinds of games that you can play kind of however you want, mm-hmm. and the designers sort of 
came up with ways that you could really screw things up and the game would still be okay. Well, so let's talk about a few of our experiences so far. So it's an RPG, mm-hmm. right? So again, for those not somehow acquainted with that style. So basically what that means is you take on the role of some entity and then your choices generally cause some permanent change. Anything from just to the character to the actual world. And so the more interesting versions of these are where where you have a sort of a cascade and a, a branching tree of effects where you sort of can end up with a completely different story than someone else ended up with. But those, of course, are also very hard to build. So yes. this happens to be a very good one of the uh, sort of kind of branching style, I guess, because you can do a lot of things very differently and also get different outcomes. Um, and I've been reading, I've been keeping up with it and sort of like reading some stuff online and people are having completely different things go down and like the very intense uh, sort of conflicts that I was in yeah. that I didn't think there was another way to do because I just assumed mm-hmm. there wasn't. Yeah. I was like, Damn. yeah, and I've been I've been trying to not find out. I, I want to finish the game, however I end up doing it, mm-hmm. and then at that point go read up on stuff so I can get a sense of what could have happened. Because you know, there are, there've already been moments where I got through a dialogue tree, and there was one choice that I, I, I you know I kind of hesitated at, and I was like, do I want to go down whatever path this is going to go down? And then I and then I didn't. And then just in the back of my mind, now, I'm just like, what would have happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what would have happened? It has that strong replay. Yeah. Replay value. Yeah. And so the thing that supports that then, of course, is that your builds for your character are very specific as well. So I went full charm. I was just like, I'm going to be sweet talking every single person and I'm going to have these companions with me because I heard they're fun. So I'm going to have these companions with me and I'm mainly going to have them be the ones who murder everything. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if they die, they just get back up after combat. So that's yeah. cool because that's good yeah. for them. It's good for them and good for me because yeah. if I die, I don't get back up after combat. Kind of a no. different situation. Right. Yeah. So. That's been my strategy so far, and it's been very amusing because you can talk people into doing almost anything, frankly. Yeah, you really like because uh, <laughs> I'm also doing that. So, yeah. so, so far, like, I haven't met a situation yet that I couldn't talk my way into or out yeah. of. Even to the point of I can just go pick someone's lock right in front of them, right? Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. If, if I do it really fast, like if it's like an easy one, so I can get it open before they stop me, mm-hmm. then then they'll like, then they'll ask me what I'm doing, and I'm just and I can just lie and say nothing, and they're just like, okay. <laughs> Well, yeah, you, I think you lose a little bit of reputation. You do lose some reputation. Uh, but then they're always like, well, next time, you yeah. know, be more careful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. hilarious. I love that stuff. So my favorite thing so far is that if you, you get these companions with you and then um, you actually get to trigger abilities on them if you have a certain level of speech skill. I haven't even tried those yet. I unlocked that and I haven't even touched those It's commands. just a button, C or V. No, no, I, like I've looked at it right in the corner of my it's screen. So I just fun. haven't done it. All you do is, is when, you're, when you're targeting an enemy out there, then you just hit one of those buttons and your companion does their like special move. But they do basically a kill cam during this time. Um, and it's just so fun to watch. Like it's cause it's this little sort of cut scene, but the camera's always in, you know, in a slightly different place. And the camera is clearly trying to like pick a good spot. Yeah. Cause it's a really hard problem to solve. Yes. Yeah. Which actually they do a very good job of for the most part. And even when they don't, it's hilarious <laughs> because like they'll just uh-huh. pick a complete wrong spot. Um, but it's just, it's really fun to see your companions and then just go up and like do some sick special move on someone while screaming what is basically a slogan of theirs. Uh, and it's just been it's been just wildly entertaining to me. Yeah, my outer favorite outer wild. My favorite outer worlds. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, my favorite uh, is. Can uh, you make puns about? Yeah, it's terrible. Is is the first companion you get whose name is uh, Parvati mm-hmm. or Parvati or, mm-hmm. or I'm not sure the pronunciation, but different characters say it differently, so I'm not quite sure. Um, but yeah, she has a big uh, lightning hammer. Yeah. And then when you when you send her after somebody, she just goes, I see a nail. And then she <laughs> flies through the air yeah. and just crushes them with this hammer and lightning explodes everywhere. I think it hits everybody around yeah. too. Everybody's stunned. What happens if you change your weapon? So they always have their special skill. Oh, so I like see. they would like whip out this hammer. So that's independent of their weapons. Yeah. yeah. Now my my strategy, first thing, was I came into it saying this is, this is a role-playing game. And so, some, you know – Sometimes you can like choose some things about your character, just sort of personally. Mm-hmm. And I decided that my character is just going to kill everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a personality trait. It's a personality trait that I just, just I imbued into my character. And because I, mostly I, I thought of it as sort of like an interesting challenge of seeing like, how well does the game actually yeah. handle this? Like if I just completely ignore everything that they're trying to get me to do. Uh, anytime a new character comes up and starts talking <laughs> to me or whatever it is, it's go time and it's just a fight to the death. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got I got pretty far. I cleared out the entire first planet <laughs> of, of life. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, well, I, at least I thought I did. Because then afterwards, mm. Sam was, was raving about how hilarious these companion characters are and mm-hmm. stuff. 
And I was like, oh, I didn't know there were companion characters because I killed everybody. <laughs> and then I, I so went, was like, hey, want to be your friend? You're like, mm, Well, nobody ever said today. anything to me. They just ran and screamed a lot. That's true. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> as you were murdering them. <laughs> yeah. No one stopped and was like, but I wanted to be your friend. I wanted to be your friend. Yeah, but it was it was kind of a horrifying realization because, of course, I, my first playthrough, I, I played through the whole game like this, but mm-hmm. I played through the first couple of hours and I, I distinctly remember fighting certain named characters and stuff. And then in my second playthrough, I went more of like the charisma charm thing mm-hmm. and I'm like making friends with everybody. And I'm realizing like I'm, me- I'm now like making friends with all these companions who I definitely remember killing <laughs> the first time around. Uh, so they seared their faces into your soul and yeah. murdered them. Huh? Yeah. So, Heavy burden. Uh, it's, I would say it's, it's equally entertaining playing it in both ways, yeah. uh, but just for very different yeah. reasons. Yeah. What's interesting when there's like, when there's a dialogue option in these games, as far as what your skill, what a skill you can use, because actually in, in basically every single game I've played previous to this one, they did nothing to actually bring the dialogue skills in any meaningful way into the combat. Mm-hmm. which always just sucked because there usually actually weren't that many, there weren't that many options yeah. for the speech skills. Um, and then of course you're always fighting stuff like the fighting is sort of the core. The part core. Of the game, yeah. And so it was always just really frustrating because I always wanted to do the sort of silver tongue character, but the cost was so high. Yeah. Um, and this is the first game I played where actually it feels basically overpowered because it really does. When you get your companions and you get like all this stuff going with yeah, them. One of, the, one of the effects is cower. Yeah. Of, of a high speech skill. And so then you'll, Start fighting somebody, they just sort of like duck and cover their heads, yeah. and they just do that for a while because you scare. Well, you're just kind of just lay you're just so persuasive, <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. so persuasive, you scare them to death. Yeah, that intimidating persona. Yeah, and so it's yeah. been it's been a very fun experience overall. I've been very impressed with how they've handled it. So I, I couldn't recommend it enough, honestly. So definitely play Outer Worlds. It's on the Epic Store. And yes. if you go to the Epic Store, it'll just be like the big giant banner yeah, on the front the page. So, mm-hmm. so Outer just Wilds so that way might don't. also be good. The it's Outer also Wilds, on the Epic Store. Yeah. It's also on the Epic Store. The Outer Wilds, Wilds could be good. We don't yeah. know. Uh, but we have been playing the Outer Wilds. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Otherwise, studio news. We have a level head patch coming out. Let's talk about it. This beep, is beep, our four-week patch. It's coming out on podcast day. Coming out on podcast day. The day this podcast comes out. Which means you could say everything about it. Oh, yeah. We can reveal There's no secrets anymore. There's a huge list of patch notes, though. I don't know. This is one. This is going to be a weird one because mm-hmm. this is going to be the longest we've gone without deploying a patch to the the existing players. Um, and the this patch won't probably feel uh, any bigger than the previous ones. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot more stuff in it. But they're just like a lot of optimizations and bug fixes, and like this has given us the time to fix. We've had some bugs on the roster since March that have just been kind of chilling there. Before early access. We knew about these. Yeah, yeah we've we known about them, but they've all, like we haven't quite had the breathing room to to work on them. Yeah. And so uh, my hope is that actually for most people, they don't really notice much of anything mm-hmm. in this patch because most of these bugs are not hitting everybody. Yeah. Right. They're like a lot of weird edge cases and stuff. No, but this is all part of the plan of getting the game to a stable point so that when we do fully launch it, then most of the issues are dealt with so yeah. that we don't get absolutely crushed by a cascade of, of bug reports. Yeah, and we lived that life post-Crashlands and that was not fun. It's so, bad life. So we're trying to not have to do again. Yeah. And yeah, during Crashlands uh, beta, we, we had to fix 2,000 bugs that we didn't know about, which sucked a lot. So we don't want to do that again. Mm. Hopefully it's like 1,500 this time. Yeah, <laughs> I'd settle for that. A good target. Yeah, so as far as new stuff that we have coming in, I mean, there actually is, there's still quite a, quite a bunch of either improvements or sort of new new twists on mm-hmm. stuff. Um, one of my favorite ones is actually just the reusable checkpoints. So you can now put yes. a checkpoint down and then touch it again. The end. Surprise. Yep, and now you re checkpoint at that point. Um, this is going to open up all sorts of soft lock opportunities. Uh, so yeah. I, hope, I hope you all are excited to accidentally have to restart the entire level now <laughs> um, at various points. Yeah. But uh, it would also save, it'll save some space and then also, um, I don't know. It's just one of those nice, like, consolidated features that people have been asking for for a while that we'll mm-hmm. be able to deliver. Because basically they just act like a save point now that you get to refresh, which is super nice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and there were definitely some points in the campaign. It's generally when you're trying to get bug pieces and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. where, where like, you get to the thing and then you have to make a decision. Do I get the checkpoint now and and then have to, like, always go back and get the bug piece and then maybe die? Or do I take a chance and try to get the bug piece and be able to redo this whole mm-hmm. thing over here? But then get the checkpoint after that. So, yeah, it kind of takes that away. Yeah, which I'm not necessarily going to always replace. Because, no. you know, that's part of the fun. Is it? I don't know. It's, it's something. <laughs> it's part of something. It is part of something. It's, so. it's part of something. Yeah. Um, 
Yep. And then uh, otherwise we have just lots of optimizations. And we've, we've had to put a lot of time into very weird esoteric platform specific problems. Let's talk about the data loss bug. That talk oh. gibberish. Thank Shout you. out to talk gibberish. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so Made us replicate finally. So the, the problem in a high level was basically players would sometimes save their level like you do when you're building a level. And then they would later load it and find that some things were not quite right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like certain properties on certain items would be just like universally reset to the defaults. And now when we're talking about some of these players who do a lot of this advanced work, they would have, you know, hundreds of switches in their level. And all of a sudden they're all reset. They're all just reset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you're talking about like basically screwing up someone's many hours of putting something together. Um, and this sort of bug is what scares the just the hell out of all of us when it comes yeah. to thinking about launch. It's a yeah. data, data loss, loss bug. bugs are always at the very top Ugh. of the priority. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah. So it's always data loss and crashes. We we always try to drop everything and fix those. The problem with this one is it's hasn't hit very many people and it hasn't hit anybody in a reproducible way mm-hmm. uh, until yesterday when talk gibberish was like, I did it. I did it again. And it keeps <laughs> happening. I was like, oh, shit, send me your level. So he sent me a copy of his level. I loaded it up, and sure enough, I could reproduce it. And the long and the short of it is that it was because sometimes Game Maker would save a number like, for example, 0.4 as 0.4. And sometimes it would save it as 0.4000000006. Those are two different numbers. They're not equal. They're not equal. Yep. And... Be- just because of the way that we were compressing the levels, we did kind of need them to be equal. Um, and then that really tiny offset cascaded into a bunch of other weird things. And then all of a sudden people lose data. This bug took what? Both you guys. It took us like three, three hours. hours to track down. Because yeah. mm-hmm. the other bigger problem is that uh, when you're when you're uh, writing debug output with GameMaker to like turn things into text so you can see what the problem mm-hmm. is, GameMaker rounds everything to the nearest hundredth decimal. Yep. So you could never actually so see So we this. could never actually see this problem until – We just had to infer it. We had to guess that this was the problem, which Adam guessed, and then multiply the number by like 10 billion so that we could see it rounded to the mm-hmm. decimal and, mm-hmm. and see it actually work. So I'm so relieved that we fixed Ooh. this. And honestly, if that was the only thing we had gotten done in this four weeks – Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, it's tremendous. Uh, yeah. Yes. yeah. But the lesson learned is be very careful with floats. Yep. You know, just – you. Don't trust them. Are a trust lie. Them. You can't mm-hmm. trust them. Um, so that's all. That's all that's happening with Levelhead. We'll have a few more things, but yeah, the patch notes will be out. We'll have the yeah. big blog post and everything. Um, and then it's going to get a little bit rocky because then Adam's gone for two weeks. I'm mm-hmm. gone for two weeks. I'm just chilling. Uh, Sam's just chilling. He's just going to carry the. I'm not gone, but I'm just going to be like. I'm just He's going to be mentally yeah. checked out. Mentally <laughs> checked out. I'm mean, pretty mentally just done. You know? uh, yeah. So we're we're going to have kind of a. <laughs> turbulent schedule. We're going to have to figure things out. This always happens at the end of the year, right? Because you get just the holidays happen, yeah. which is family stuff, yep. trips. It starts with, with October being October for us usually, which is, yeah, know, it's usually just a crazy work time. Well, I mean, we're trying to jam everything in before November and December hit. Cause mm-hmm. that's when everybody's gone all of a sudden, you know, that stuff. And so then November, and December, we both, we take a two week break. The whole studio does at the end of December. So just like the 20 something to the end of the year. Um, and so that just half of that month's gone, and then you know it's just kind of what it is. So we always end up kind of packing stuff in pretty densely here at the yeah. back quarter. Yeah, it's been it's been tough, and it's going to be tougher. Yeah, but we'll have some more information. I think on patch day we'll announce when the next patch will be coming, and mm-hmm. then we'll go from there. All right, and then last before we get onto questions, Samuel, talk about art practice. Yeah, well, so you know I was doing it, mm-hmm. um, taking this class. It's been really good, learning a bunch of stuff, getting good feedback. Many of the feedback's like, you're really bad at this, you know, yep. in various forms. Um, <laughs> and you're like, but how bad? And, and that's where and, the learning happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and this teacher's been very good at that. It's it's weird. He's got, he's got a very good feedback style that feels like it has – have you heard of clicker training with dogs? <laughs> yep. There's, was it the Hidden Brain episode? There was an episode where someone had been applying this to medical students. Yeah, it worked great. Yeah, so you apply clicker training to basically use – When they do – when they like are doing a suture or something, yeah. if they do it correctly, you do the click. Exactly, because what it does is it removes the emotional variable from the giving of the feedback because it's just marking like you're doing it correctly. There's no need to be That's like – They just call good. it marking. Yeah, marking. Yeah. Uh, so the weird thing is this guy's feedback style feels closer to marking than basically any other person <laughs> I think I've gotten it from. 
where you just is like, yeah, you're doing this wrong. Here's how, here's why, um, here's these things you should be doing. Here's, you know, the outcome of what you could see if you change all this stuff. That's it. Every single time. No emotional load, literally whatsoever, or I'm just older and don't give a fuck anymore. One of the two, or maybe a mixture. Who knows? And so it's been really good. Um, and I was super fired up about it for the first few weeks, which made me work for, you know, somewhere between 11 and like 13 extra hours for those first couple of weeks. And then uh, about halfway through the last one, I was just like, I am real tired of it. You <laughs> know, I was having a good time. I feel like I was learning a lot. Um, I was just getting cooked. And so I overdid it, you know, I just overdid yeah. it. Uh, and especially with everything we had going on at work, it's just like, it was just, it was just a lot. And so then um, after overdoing it, I had to underdo it. Got to you know, make it balance. You got to swing that pendulum all the way. All the way back. Back to the Which luckily is where sort of the outer worlds uh-huh. has come in. Uh, as I started to think about it for a second to be like, me too. Was it great? <laughs> uh, as far as being this fun thing to just kind of go do and not worry about so much. And so I'll be swinging back into it. Uh, I think this weekend will be my re-entry. But I literally just had to take like a basically a nine-day break after just doing yeah. it too much. It's something I've, I've talked to. Um, you know, that, that uh, coach I had previously and even the therapist and stuff was, she was just like, yeah, you, you just seem like you have a tendency to kind of like over, overzealously engage with something mm-hmm. to the, to a degree that is not sustainable. And I was like astute. I know this about myself now, but, uh, yeah, that's, so, that's so then you aggressively core. stopped doing that. Yeah. So you overzealously <laughs> underdid it, unsustainably <laughs> underdid it. <laughs> well, but yeah, I had to kind of reset, right? And then I'm hoping to kind of get a bit of a better balance here. Mm-hmm. A bit of a better balance, if you will. Yeah, I I mean, that's that's one of the core pillars of my personality as well, mm-hmm. is overdoing, overdoing, it? overdoing pretty much anything. <laughs> um, what are you overdoing right now? Well, well, nothing. That's, that's actually what I've, uh, where I've landed is to try to land in sort of like a, a very gray, meaningless existence <laughs> where you're just doing it, where I'm doing as little as possible to to make sure that I don't accidentally fall down a black hole mm, and, and overdo it, and overdo it, mm. you know. So I got to I got to just like keep it, keep it even. Just do what I got to do and then try not try not to get in there too mm-hmm. hard. So it's been working pretty good. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, OK, so then <laughs> that's all. That's all yeah. About. So you're you're. And this is swinging the, back now. Yeah, or? we're swinging back over the weekend. I think starting on Saturday, probably put another like six hours in. <laughs> no, I, I will. <laughs> Shit, I'm gonna go twelve. I've this learned time. nothing. Um, yeah, I'll try. Yeah. We'll see what happens. But I mean, isn't that better? Isn't it? Isn't I don't it know. better I to like go I, like really fine. hard for a little while and then just take a. It's probably fine. Yeah. It's all. It's all fine. I think it's just um, you don't want to hit that point where you overdo it to such an extent that you're done. You know what I mean? Which is basically being burned out. Yeah. Um, because you can like you literally just do that. You just you if you can just do it so much that you are done doing it now forever, yeah. right? I think well, there's also a risk too if you haven't done a thing at all and you go right into overdoing it when yep. you start. That's the, that's the best way to guarantee that you will stop forever. I think. Mm-hmm. But but the but thing also, is, so but the thing is, you got to mm-hmm. go really hard at the beginning so that you so that you uh, can sear the outside to keep the juices. <laughs> Trapped in there, right? Because like, uh-huh. if you want to make a, mm. a good burger, you know, you don't cook it at ninety degrees That's for six true. weeks. You know, you, you got to burn the shit Although out I of it. I bet if you cooked it ninety degrees for six weeks, it'd be fucking delicious. But then you have to wait six when weeks to eat cook, a burger. I bet yeah, it'd be dry as fuck. Now, when you slow cook those things, <laughs> unless you sear the outside first. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying the point is, if you want to learn a new skill, you got to follow burger cooking method, okay. which is you got to sear the outside or wrap the outside with foil. Right. You got to, so you got to have some kind Ooh, of a okay. plan to basically, you got to keep the juices from getting out. Right? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. So the question, you can either keep the juices in by searing the outsides, right? Yeah. By burn, burning it. Which is by yeah. working, working out, you know, super, but there's like, there's a flip involved, right? Cause you have to flip the burger at one point to start searing. You don't sear both sides at once unless you're, yeah, but you got to do it pretty, in pretty close proximity. This is where you basically go as hard as possible for three weeks. Then you take a week off. That's your flip. Then you, mm-hmm. This is the burger method of learning new there skills. There we go. <laughs> this is what I'm doing. Yeah. You sear one side. Now you got to remember like you've only you've only cooked half the burger, so mm-hmm. you're not done. You're, you're not done, done yet. yet. Uh, then you 
flip it, you give it, you give it a week to cool down, and then you sear the other side. Now the juices are trapped in there. That's mm-hmm. not, yeah, that's not usually how flipping works for a burger. Well, this you is you gotta, it, somehow it gets cooler. You got to imagine <laughs> this is like a this is over this is like a time dilation so you're saying, situation. You're, yeah. you're saying the flip. You're talking about in the air right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like, like the so three minutes of searing. Flip. Yeah. The three minutes of searing is like three weeks. Right. And then you slowly take a whole minute, minute. In the air. <laughs> <laughs> You really whip it's, that, it's an epic. You whip that flip. burger up there. Yeah. So then, yeah, land on the other side, sear the other side. But now you can cook it on low, okay? Because because you've got it. You, you got, got the juices, the juices stuck are in, in there. there. And now you can just do a little bit mm-hmm. here and there, but you're yeah. good now. So maybe the, the problem was I didn't uh, have. You didn't plan for the second. I didn't plan for the second. You didn't yeah. plan for the yeah. flip. Yep. Well, you just didn't do the flip. Because you can't just, just cook. Well, that's actually, I just I just finished the flip. Oh, that's true, right. But yeah. since I didn't plan for it, yeah, it took see, a little bit longer. see the other side. Yeah, I see the other side. Yeah. This is the next couple weeks. <laughs> I genuinely like this <laughs> concept. If you want to learn a new skill, you got to sear one side, flip it, sear the other side, mm-hmm. and then cook and then it on done. low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. just, just perpetually. Uh, okay. Just it, just keeps getting, it just keeps getting tastier. It does. If yeah. you cook it for a little low. Well, I mean, the juices are in there now, so you're good. You can cook it as much as you want now. Yeah, we'll I just keep getting better. Pretty sure that's how science works. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get on to some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. The highest upvoted question comes from Oxdodecado, which I think is hex code. We've had this oh, person yes. before. Mm-hmm. We have, yeah. At around episode 228 of the podcast, starting from episode one, you will have podcasted for 240 hours, 10 continuous days, or six 40-hour weeks. Do you think that spending approximately 18 person weeks on podcasting has been worth it? How does one measure the effects of a podcast? Mm, well, I think, better I think than, we should just quit. It's better than tweeting. I think we can all <laughs> agree. But isn't everything? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a very low it's bar. It's a super low bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 18 person weeks. What was life like before we did the podcast? It's a nice, it's a nice measuring stick. Mm-hmm. Or whatever you want to call it, it's like a it's like a mile marker as you're uh-huh. driving down the road. You know, but it only yeah. is if you have have a map as a reference point, or if you the revisit off the chain. It's, <laughs> it's just that you know you're as you're going every now and then there's a check in point. You know, mm-hmm. so you can kind of mm-hmm. like reset, reflect, think of what's been going on. Mm-hmm. Is that what you do at mile markers as, as you're driving? Yeah. You're like, that was a good mile. <laughs> just did. Every time. I wonder what this next one's going to be. What do I learn? true. How come mile markers, like a milestone is one of those like big key, you know, metaphors for project planning. Yeah. But everyone just fly, flies past milestones at six miles an hour. doesn't even notice they exist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is a milestone the same thing as a mile? Marker? I think you're I thinking so. of deadlines. People fly past deadlines without thinking. <laughs> without Why is it called a deadline? A milestone is a deadline. Uh, a, it's milest- like, a deadline is just the last milestone and it's the one you're definitely going to miss. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I think a, a deadline is the date associated with a milestone. What was right? the what so was, milestone yes. is the thing Correct. that yeah. you're going to do. What was mm-hmm. the quote about, about deadlines? It's like, I love the sound they make as they go whooshing past. It's <laughs> 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 a nice Doppler effect. Too. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. They make, uh, a, they make a Wii U. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I guess the question. So, what was it worth it? I mean, I is know. it worth it? We're about we're about ready for season two, though. Oh, that's, that's true. Yeah, that's a good reboot for season episode two forty seven. That's ep- season two, episode one. <laughs> we have very long seasons, which we're definitely not doing because I don't want to reprogram our podcast tooling because it just it assumes everything's an increment. Oh no, no, for the episode numbers will be the same. It's okay, just season cool. two is starting. Mm-hmm. Right? Gotcha. It's arbitrary. Yeah, 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 like everything. No, I think uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean. 18 person weeks. It's so funny because there's some things that when you tally them, you're like, that can't be a good idea. But it's been over five years. So like that's seven years, right? Well, or I guess the podcast. podcast yeah. Yeah. So what's 18 person weeks spread over? It's about, you know, about one hour per week. Turns out. Yep. So, <laughs> well, it was, it was, yeah. <laughs> that's why I asked it. Somehow the math so works that, out that way. So it's, it's one fortieth of our. I well, probably, I will it's say, probably one fifth. It's probably two percent of our working hours are the mm-hmm. podcast. So here's here's what I think about it. I think I think making games is very hard. I think it's a it's a strangely uh, isolating affair as well because oftentimes we can't even talk about what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, let you know to friends or whatever, even and not even necessarily fans. And so I think the really nice thing that the podcast has done for us is. Um, we talked about this, I think, somewhere post Crashlands was that it forces us to sit down for an hour every day or every week 
and just sort of like be goofballs. Yeah, we actually spend like a good 20 minutes before and after the podcast kind of just being like, what the hell happened this week? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so we, it have is, to, we have to know what we're going to talk about. Yeah, and so it is both this really good touchstone, but I think more importantly, it's sort of like if you if you ever had that experience where you're just like not in the mood to hang out with people or talk to people, but you need you have to like for whatever reason, you have to go out and do this thing. And then you go out and do it. And then afterwards, you're just in a better mood now. You're just like, that was fine. Because you had to fake it for a moment. Right. And I think there's and something. It's that whole like you made yourself happy by smiling. Yeah situation. And so I think something about the podcast to me is actually it's a good uh, it's a good buoyancy device for the studio because I think you know, we just get in here, boo goofballs, people ask us questions, we can talk about stuff and uh, it's just fun. As opposed to, you know, the other five days of the week which uh, oh, it's good. It's uh, garbage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it's for. I guess why we keep doing it. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's... Because I'm getting something out of it. Me too. Yeah, I think, I think we, we just enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. And and we're, when you're talking about the cost, time isn't the only cost. It's also task switching, you yeah. know, because if we spent the same amount of time that we did the podcast doing Twitter, yes, it would basically fuck up our whole week Yeah, because we'd be doing it in five minute increments basically all like throughout each day, mm-hmm. every day. Uh, and it would cause constant derailment of all the work that we're doing. Did we mention something in the past how we stumbled across some uh, other indie developer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> discovered they had so many tweets and we we did the math on it where it was like if they only spent five minutes on twitter per tweet that they've made Mm -hmm. then it was like 42 weeks yeah of full-time 40 hours a week Mm -hmm. being on twitter and five minutes per tweet that you send in terms of like time spent on Twitter, it's probably a low estimate yep that's a that's a full-time job and a half but I think that's the point. It's like any any one of these small behaviors that you stack up over the course of like five years, they're always going to look in retrospect, you know, mon- like monumentally huge. And they are in some ways, right? And I think it's it's one of those important notes, which is to say like, what have you been doing for the last five years for an hour every week? Yep. Because, you know, you could have been. Because you've, you've put 18 else. person weeks into that. Yeah. But also importantly, it takes 10,000 hours to be an expert at something and we're literally only 240 in. So we are mm. like 0.2% of the way. We're still podcast. Two percent. We got a yes. long way to go. Yeah. Anyway, is the point. How long will it take us? To I think we'll just it depends. Be dead. Do we get to have a collective expertise? Like if our whole group reaches ten thousand hours, is that you know what I mean? Because that's, well, that's where you go. Okay, people you go always do this right? shit where they go like, "Oh, our team has a collective three hundred and twenty-nine years of experience." Yeah. It's like, but your team is nine hundred people, so you've all been working for six months. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah? What is that metric? That it's, doesn't mean anything. Well, it's one of those ones where you just – you pick the biggest number you have available to you. That's sort of always how this goes and I think yeah. you just get creative. It's like accounting, right? You get creative with – I want to know how many pounds of people you have. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know how many – how much gray matter there is in pounds dedicated mm. to solving my problems. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a really, <laughs> that's a very spooky and uh, fantastic – We've got 3,296 yeah. pounds of brains in our company. <laughs> Actually, that means if you're something like Amazon or Google. Ooh, yeah. Who have like – because I think Amazon has hundreds of thousands of employees. Doesn't yeah, it? they got a lot of brain. How much brain weight are they throwing around? <laughs> are brains, are brains are like three pounds, right? Eight pounds, eight pounds. Heads, heads, are, heads eight, are eight pounds. Heads, heads are like eight pounds. Brains are like they're like three pounds. They're tiny. Can we look it up? <laughs> yeah, look it up. I'm gonna look it up. Also, also How much does a fat. does a detached human head weigh? This is a, a very Halloween for a friend. <laughs> I need to uh, ship it cross country because, because brains are mostly fat, so they you know they can't be that. Although fat is heavy. Speak for yourself. Three pounds. It's three pounds. Three pounds, yeah. So the rest of your head so, – so your entire head weighs eight pounds and then your brain in there. It's yeah. like a little – like a little wall. It's just like a little there. tiny. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. it's not very heavy. But I guess the point is it's three pounds per person and it's basically – it's pretty stable across actually the entire population. So so to, so to answer your question, yeah. the, the question asker, three pounds. That's how much that's the how human much brain weighs. There you go. Pretty sure that's what the question <laughs> was. <laughs> We have a collective nine pounds of brain power going to the podcast. The question is, is that worth it? Yeah. You know? I think so. Seems fun. But nine, but it's nine pounds for two percent of the work week. So it's nine times point oh two. That's how many pounds of brain goes into it. Yeah. Uh, all right, next question comes from pounds per hour. Next question. (laughs) Pounds per hour. No, but that'll be pa- that'll be pounds per hour it's per like, available hour. It's which like is a pretty weird metric. Well, it's like horsepower. No, right? I want to know the watts. How many watts? <laughs> was a watt what's a What's the, what are the units of that? It's like power over time or something. But measuring the wattage of a brain is the least important 
metric you could possibly choose. I can well, that's how you measure your air conditioner. I think it matters. I think it matters a lot because your air conditioner is like you know how many kilowatt hours are going. Yeah, but in. if I assign my air conditioner to a podcast, <laughs> it's not going to go very well, right? The air conditioner can't do anything. Besides yeah, that's air because it's going to overcorrect. Air conditioners use a lot of power. Okay, <laughs> they do for how much? That's because they're they so have. stupid. Yeah, brains. <laughs> Brains are very efficient, and they know exactly the right amount of wattage to put into podcasting. Okay. All right. Anyway, let's get on to the next <laughs> question. Next question comes from Mopet Flatunk. Outside of video games and the occasional movie or television show, you guys don't really discuss any of your other pop culture influences. Are or were any of you into comic books, collectible card games, anime, cosplay? Are you bronies? What, <laughs> what horrible influences went into the butterscotch mix? Hmm. So this is a bit of a weird one. Let's let's touch on the just current pop culture question first. Current, okay. What do I know about current do pop you, culture? That's exactly. Every time question. I hear a song, I'm like, I've never I know heard about you, Marvel movies. Do you know about yes. TikTok? I've I've heard of TikTok. I don't. I don't. Okay. I explored it the other day because I was like, I'm clearly out of touch. Yeah. I need to I need to touch this. I did this with touched that. it and I was like, I'm gonna put this back. <laughs> <laughs> I also I remember doing that with uh, with Snapchat. Like a year yeah. ago or something. Mm-hmm. It had been out for a few years. Like everybody was using it all the time. Yeah, and then my, yeah, my brother-in-law was like using it all the time. And I was like, <laughs> why? What is this? And so then I downloaded it and tried it. And then I, I was just, I just couldn't, I was like, why? Why would I want it? Uh-huh. this in my life? So I think that's how I feel about TikTok also. Yeah. As far as the rest of general pop culture references. We don't play Fortnite. Don't play Fortnite. Uh, what? Well, what's the threshold for something to be pop culture? People know about it. Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in a Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't to it. Yeah. Kind of, kind of shit to the end of the season end. eight. Jeez. Yep. Or even the middle. Maybe the middle. Um, <laughs> as I, far have, as, I have watched a significant amount of My Little Pony. You did? Yeah. I didn't know that. I enjoyed it. Are you a brownie? You're a brownie. Not Adam's it, a brownie. I could be. It depends on how you define I'm not sure how it's defined, but I'm not, I, I worry that that word goes into a dark place. <laughs> it probably does. Most yeah. words do. Yeah. I think. Uh, I think probably it would be if it was somehow part of your identity that you watched. Yeah, which, which, which is, is not. not. No. So, yeah. You're just a man who watches. So, I'm Adam. really into The Expanse. The Expanse is good. But I don't think that's pop culture because it's not very popular. <laughs> yep. So, so, that means, yeah. There's that. Uh, I watched The Great British Baking Show a lot. It's we probably still not part of it. Watch I, The Bachelor. Mm, there you go. Oh, that's I'm gross. into that one. <laughs> it's terrible. That's I love it. That's garbage. Uh, Do you find that to be an inspiration for your work? No, not in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> uh, but it's probably so, in there. So, as far as stuff from our youth, we played uh, Pokemon. We played Pokemon. We, we were allowed to play Game Boys in the car on long road trips. Played the shit out of Kirby, Wario, Wario, Kirby. Um, but we didn't. We didn't have game consoles in the house until much later in life. So we weren't. People oftentimes like we'll see some of our games and be like, "Oh, I see you took inspiration from bleh, like some game." That I have never heard of. Toad Jam and Earl. Toad Jam and Earl. We made Quadrupus Rampage. Everyone's like, wow, it's like Toad Jam and Earl. You guys did a great job. And we're like, what is that? (laughs) Never heard of it. Even when I looked up Toad Jam and Earl, I still don't don't see the the parallel. I think just maybe it's an isometric view. It's isometric and you can follow the Colorful. Um, Ah, there you go. Yeah, so oh, there you go. I guess there's some things. Did, did Pokemon cards? Did you guys do any cards? No, I never I, did I never cards. cards. Here, I never did cards. I always had a fascination with figuring out how to get into some kind of yes. cards. I got into Magic the Gathering three times. I never stayed there. I got in. Just dipped in. It's expensive dipped to out. stay in there. Yeah. But I got really excited because my friend would meet some friends and I'd come again. We can go play some Magic the Gathering. And then I'd go and they'd be so intense about it and they'd have like a – you know, Ziploc bag full of cards and they'd be like, you know, and then I'd be like, show me how to do it. So we'd, it'd be this fun little thing for like a couple of days where they'd show me how to do it, learn about it. And then I'd go buy a deck for like 20 bucks and then forget about it. And then then a couple days. <laughs> Turns That's out I felt lot. about League of Legends. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I got, like you helped me figure out how to kind of play it. Oh, like, yeah. Taught me some strategies and like show me where the websites I could go to to learn about. I was using like, what's his name? Like Vicarus or something. Uh, Some V name, yep. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, and I was like learning how to use that. I was like learning everything about this character, and then I played it for like three days, and then I haven't played it since. You and then you were like, "What, what am I doing?" <laughs> <laughs> I got uh, programming. So the question it. was, did you overdo it? You didn't know. No, you- I, I honestly didn't care the whole time. I was just, I was, <laughs> I was trying to care. You know, I was. Yeah, like, I think it's what it is. Yeah. Like, this, this yeah. seems like something that people are into. Well, and so it could what, be cool to get into. So had what? 
controls that. You know what I mean? Because I think that's that's the same way I feel about a lot of these things now, which I think I guess, makes me feel old. Yeah, I I old age. Tr- yeah, you have to try to care now because I'm like, I have these other things that I'm very concerned about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, stuff, I've been my- I've been kind of wondering that because it's it's pretty. I think it's it's more and more rare nowadays that like I read a book that I'm just like, oh shit, this is incredible, and then I like get really sucked into the story, mm-hmm. or that I play a game and I'm like, oh my god. And I, I think part of it is kind of like a, a n- lack of novelty because like the mm-hmm. more stuff you've done, the more stories you've read, the more games you've played, whatever, the more you start to kind of pick up on the patterns mm-hmm. and the. Like teens love everything because everything, oh, everything is new uh, and it's the most exciting shit ever. It's like, why would people be using TikTok instead of whatever the hell it is replacing? Uh, well, it's new. It's a new thing. And it's, it's probably replacing you know, Vine, I guess. Yes, yeah, definitely. But Vine was has been dead for years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess they just needed a new they one. They needed a new mm-hmm. one. They got a new one. It's exciting and it's new. And all, the, all us old people, meaning anybody who's not a teen, are like, I don't <laughs> know. I already saw that happen. Right. <laughs> Although I didn't use it the first time it came out either when it was Vine. Yeah, but that's because you were already in your mid-20s by yeah. then. Yeah. And that means you're not a teen anymore, which means you can no longer be excited about but anything, question, really. Anything, like, really. Because <laughs> you can – I mean you very much can cultivate, you know, more uh, – like a more excitable approach to these things. Yeah. It, I think it's it's something you actually have to cultivate as you get older. You don't get to just have it. Yeah, because it, it always goes the other way. Yeah. On, yes. There's a nice slide there. So, Well, I think part of it is it's probably the case that you you tend to overestimate how familiar something is. Like if you're playing The Outer Worlds and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, this is like Fallout 3. You, you could very easily take that in the direction of like, yeah, but like I already, I already played yeah, Fallout right, 3, yep. so who gives a shit? Right. And, and the fact is the like that- it pretty much is Fallout 3 in space. Yeah. There's even like, it's in space now. There's even <laughs> like, for some reason, all of the music in the game, it sounds like 1950s yep. radio jingles. Like it's yeah. very much Fallout 3 in space. Um, but it's also hilarious. And it's got all kinds of other it's things It's got new on. stories and the whole thing. Yeah. Mm. And so, so you kind of have to just get over it, you know, I guess. Like get mm. over the fact that it's familiar and just kind of like be okay with that. And But I, I still don't think you can – for something like League of Legends, where like this is a hobby that you yeah. would have to devote – yeah, thousands of hours. You got to be it's a bigger ask to like yeah. to just really yeah. Get in there. And you can't just make yourself care about that. No, but you you know, I think you can you can find the good stuff and something that's like you dip into like outer worlds and like you play that mm-hmm. for twenty hours and then you're done with it or whatever. I would say oh, as yeah, far I'm as play the shit out of this game. Yeah. yeah, I think as far as other cultural references go, so not necessarily pop culture, but just sort of things that have been stewing in the brew of butterscotch. Uh-huh. Uh, Olin Rogers. Oh yeah, is honestly probably one of the most impactful ones. And Dave Barry. And Dave, Dave Barry. Barry, not that way. That's also like a rock person, right? Dave Barry, the, Chuck, the, Barry. Column, oh, Chuck Barry, right? The columnist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dave Barry, the from Florida, the Florida mm-hmm. Times yeah. or something. From when we were, he he wrote uh, humor columns in the nineties, and yeah. probably I don't. He might, he might still be. I don't he know. Might be. They probably don't hold up. He might even be dead. Yeah. And <laughs> And it's, it's, we haven't kept up it's on our possible that in retrospect, there's probably a lot of questionable and problematic things in those columns. Very likely. Who knows? But at the time when we were teens and and but t- it was tens. all absurdism and pun based humor, basically. Yeah, yeah. I should, should pick one of those up. I feel like pick up some Dave. Pick, pick up, up some Dave. Dave. <laughs> and then we listen to a lot of Weird Al Yankovic. Weird Al. A yep. lot of Haywood Banks. Yes. Yeah, that's gonna be an. That's gonna be. Nobody's going to know about that. No. <laughs> Seth, that. But we listened to that on Bob and Tom in the morning. Yeah. Which was, which that, was deeply problematic. Which was deeply problematic. Uh-huh. As a radio show. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of stuff from the 90s and 2000s. Oh, yeah. And, and, and now. And now. now. But it's just, a it's, little – I think people are becoming more aware of how problematic some of their views are. Yeah. But – but man, they woo. do they do hate the awareness of it though. Yeah. It's just so uncomfortable. <laughs> you know? It's so good to realize you're doing a bad thing. Realize you're doing bad things to yeah. people. So I think there's Hayward. There was uh, yeah, we think- listened to a lot of Landis Morris set while we were building Kanex. Connects, connects yes. is one of them, and Legos. Connects, connects. I think it's connects because it's supposed so to sound like the word connect, like, <laughs> like, like it connects, connect, 
Okay, this next. is a Jif Gif situation. Shit. Uh, <laughs> yes, we had all of those, and oh, yeah, then I think the, listen the, to the song Albuquerque by Weird Al to give a, get a like mm-hmm. a the most distilled sense of, <laughs> of what of what our uh, yeah childhoods hundred percent. And about. then <laughs> I remember reading a, just a shitload of Goosebumps books. I remember the one called The Beast from the East, which had like a super cool cover on it because it was all purple and we had blue. like twenty of those. I we think. had like twenty of them. We, we had like, Night of the Living I cracked Dummy. All those spots. Oh, Night of the Living Dummy creeped me the fuck out. I remember buying one. at the Scholastic Book Fair, which I don't know if they even have those anymore, but I hope they do because they're amazing. Do people even have books anymore? Do you guys even have We're books? So you children? They've got a Scholastic iPad fair. Oh, God. <laughs> you swipe your yeah, iPad you go and a- I bought the – you could get the Night of the Living Dummy medallion. And oh. It was one of those ones that was a hologram. So as you turn it, then he has like, yeah. 3D in there and it's so creepy. I remember that. Do you remember that? Yeah. You carried that thing around and I creeped did. yourself out with it all the yeah. time. <laughs> I was like, huh. <laughs> Every day. Yeah. No, I think there's there's a bunch of that stuff in there. And then cartoons, Animaniacs, Bees Knees was Animaniacs. Mm-hmm. And then watched a bunch of Tom and Jerry. Do you remember going to grandma's house and we'd watch there was uh, a handful Three Stooges? Of uh, Three Stooges too, yeah. Watch a shitload of Three Stooges at uh, grandma's yep. house. And that I, stuff I just remember perfect. this scene of, uh, of these guys always doinking each other in the, eye, <laughs> yes. in the eyeballs for some reason. <laughs> yes. And thinking that that was fine. Like that that's not a horrible, horribly bad thing I've to do. I've never to poked person. someone in the eye. Yeah. yeah. You they're think it was they're poking each other in the eye a lot. Yeah. Constantly. Like it's a signature move. But that's a that's a bad move yeah, to do to a bad. person. Yeah, people worry about video games causing people to be violent, mm-hmm. but Three Stooges. Actually, I don't remember much of watching. The, <laughs> yeah, I don't remember a lot of Disney movies, but I do remember a lot of the Warner Brothers cartoons. I don't know what that's about exactly, because I know I'm sure we watched the Disney movies. Yeah, Saturday morning because, cartoons. Yeah, yeah, I think it's honestly because the the old Disney movies are people are going to hate this, but <laughs> but they're pretty fucking medium. Mm. Which ones? Uh, the ones that we grew up with, I feel like I didn't even remember, like uh, Bambi. I remember Bambi, I was shocked. Bambi was fucked up. That was actually probably one of the better ones, yeah. Really. It was really good, that's um, right. <laughs> but uh, Little Mermaid, like that, that's the only one that I kind of like for some reason that one kind of sticks in my memory because I'm like, we that's like the quintessential Disney. Movie. I never got into it, yeah. You weren't a mermaid mer- head, a, mer- a merman, a mermoony, a mermoony. <laughs> It was just it's a brony. A, a bromade. A bro- Isn't a bromade like a soap or something? Like bromide, bromide is bromide a, is a chemical. chemical. <laughs> or an element, I guess. Uh, bromide. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have I mean do you have a specific gripe about the little mermaid or do you not want to go into uh, it too? I'm not deeply? gonna go <laughs> I'm not gonna go into it really because you know You're gonna get us flamed things by all these beloved franchise mer people. So so well again. I just I find them to be I find them to be I'm trying to choose a good one. I'm gonna go with empty. Mm. <laughs> So like I find them to be. What about deeply problematic? I like that one. <laughs> they have, there's a lot, but that's actually it's just especially because that one's under the ocean. So yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. It's true. more deeply deep problematic. <laughs> but to me, that's because that's there are two issues. One is that, and of course, they're, they're all very deeply problematic. Yeah. But the other one is also that they feel they feel soulless. I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with you on that. I just didn't like. That's what I'm saying. People are not going to agree with me on this. Even I don't agree with you. Yeah, on this. that's fine. Mermaids. We don't need to get I'm into. Just trying to, I'm just trying to. We show don't need to get into. It's there's fine. a range of opinions on this podcast, so yeah. we don't get you know hate mailed. Yeah, hate mailed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, hate, hate tweet, hate, hate tweeted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the modern thing now. Yeah, nobody sends mail anymore. Fortunately, no. I don't check my Twitter. But yeah, excellent. Like right, let's get on to the stack. next <laughs> next stack. question. I'll see you in a few weeks. From Bicky Boop, which this is a good one. How do you feel about these quotes from episode 134? Was, half, was it half ago? That's a it was, 100 episodes ago, right? <laughs> it was one year and nine months ago, according yeah. mm-hmm. to, at the time that this question Two was years, asked. Basically. Here are the quotes. Yeah. Discussing level head. We could just publish the damn thing. <laughs> a platform maker, which will be done soon. Mm-hmm. And a few UIs in there, and we're good. <laughs> accurate? I mean, no. Certainly not accurate. Well, it depends on goals. Yeah. Here's the thing. At the time, we, we at the very beginning, we truly thought we were going to just spit out basically a just functional, a just functional platformer maker. That was, that was the original plan. And so at that time, those were correct quotes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we took it to GDC, and we were like, shit, we got to do more with this because people actually yep. want... It. Yep, and then we got more serious about doing our jobs well. Yeah, that happened. That also. happened later, though. That happened later, <laughs> but that uh, also made it so we're like, we should make this real good. Yep. And then the industry has been changing underneath us the whole time. 
which has made us awesome. be like, oh God, yeah, which has made us be like, oh, we better double down on this bet. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep, keep investing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's gonna pay um, just fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this, I mean, this kind of relates back to that first question about the value of doing the podcast. Is it's kind of cool to go back and be like. Hey, if only we had known. Oh, those poor stupid souls. Yeah, some some not day because it's impossible, you know, time wise. But sometime I want to go back and listen and just like start at the beginning and just listen back just through, wash over it. Yeah. yeah, if you do once a week, you can basically just have like you can just be five years. You can just see the past five years as if it's happening Weird. in parallel. You know. Oh yeah. So that'd be kind of basically every mm-hmm. podcast day. I'll just listen to a, an episode from, from five, five years, years ago. ago. Yeah. And I'll just be on a trailing <laughs> sad Where were we train. <laughs> I think it's just I mean it's it's remarkable that we're even still around, frankly. Yeah. To be to be amused by these things. I'm pretty pumped about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're gonna keep it around. I hope five years from now we can look back at how stupid. That's we always were. the hope. Because yeah. we're yeah. still we'll still be doing the podcast. That's the hope. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, next question comes from Jim Zombie Brainsock. Very which is spooky. a spooky name. Brace. What is the advantage to building Rumpus from scratch rather than using an existing open source backend like Nakama? Do you ever regret making your own thing? Would you do it differently if you had to start over? Uh, this is actually not that hard to answer because it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. So mm-hmm. if you're just if you're if you're basically saying, "Hey, I got a game. I want some online components, but the focus is the game. I don't have the resources to do anything." But get the, like, but e- even if you do have the resources, still. The off-the-shelf products for web tooling these days are really, really good. The the interfaces to then use them with with things like there's like Netlify and I don't know, there's, there's a jillion website names that all kind of sound the, the same. same. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of solve they solve every hosting problem for you. They solve auth for you. They solve all kinds of stuff for you. Uh, and you can kind of zombie them together and create your some infrastructure that where you didn't have to really solve any of the hard problems. That sounds nice. So this is great. It's it's amazing, and that's probably the, that should be the starting point in most cases. Mm-hmm. So in our case, we wanted to be able to build long term infrastructure that we run our company on top of, as well as our games for things that would be cross game and for things that we could control. Because a lot of our a lot of our goal for our tech stack has been to distance ourselves from from dependencies that are really hard to extricate yourself from, yep. right? So our number one thing that we're kind of invested in right now is GameMaker. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that we're so invested in a single platform means that we are at the whim of that platform, right? So if they decide to change things, we're just fucked. If they decide to drop support for Xbox, say, in the future, mm-hmm. right? We just don't get to publish on Xbox now. Uh, and so for the web tech, I, I kind of think of that as the same way because of the fact that, that we are using it as company architecture. Yeah, which means we get to decide we, we need to decide screw ourselves everything. over. Yeah, well, we, we need to decide everything. So, so if you look at the the off the shelf tools, they have all kinds of stuff that solve a lot of the problems that we need to solve. Um, just just right out of the box. Uh, however, the moment that we want to do something that is not in that toolkit, yep. we have there's nothing we can do. We don't we don't have access to that system, um, and so now we have to basically build an additional system or go find an additional tool, and then find some way to make these things like talk to each other in some weird way. And now all of a sudden, what, what might have been for you spaghetti code that you would have written to make your own thing is now spaghetti services, yeah. right? Yeah. That are all like doing weird shit, talking to each other, which spaghetti is spaghetti service, yeah, right? Which is honestly Sounds already delicious. a little bit of a problem with our with our current structure, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because we, I'm still using multiple services to make all this stuff work, and and so keeping track of like where all the data is and who's talking to what and all that kind of stuff uh, is already a little bit problematic with a, with a tech stack that we're sort of fully in control of. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that, so from, for what we're doing, I don't have any regrets about the path that we've taken because it, it's allowing us to do really cool stuff and it allows us to have a platform that we can keep on investing into. So that if we want to now have, let's say we want to do a real time multiplayer game in the future, mm-hmm. which we probably won't do because it would be a terrible idea for a lot of reasons, but let's say we did. We're want doing, to. we're going to do it. <laughs> let's say we did want <laughs> to. MMO, let's do it. Yeah. Let's say we made an MMO or whatever that could be built on top of the current stack with, and just adding new tech and adding new features to it. So that now we could all of a sudden have like level head could interact with this MMO in some way or, or whatever. Uh, we take the same users with us. We, we can build our tooling that runs a studio and runs our support system, runs all that kind of stuff around whatever infrastructure is running this other game and so on and so forth. So I think the value of having your own tech stack is enormous if you can afford it. Yeah. And it's mostly a long-term value. In the short term, I think you're basically always better off doing 
whatever the fastest thing is, like grabbing off the shelf products, stitching them together, making those work, especially because those are getting so good these days. Uh, The other thing to consider, though, is that all those services are very expensive. Yes. They don't seem like it because when you're using it for personal use, if you're using it to run a small business, that's all fine. Uh, The cost to you, then as you're talking like 20 bucks a month or maybe even like free for a lot of these things if you're Mm -hmm. using it at a low enough level. But once you, when you, the question is, how do these things scale? And scaling for almost any of these really, really good, high quality, easy to use services is is really fucking expensive, like crazy expensive. Because uh, I mean, there's, there's just really cool th- tools out there, like things like websites that you can use to host your images that will dynamically resize them for you, and like they're requested from your website, and they have, even have like a JavaScript thing that you can just like, plug right in, so that you can just you you behave the way you normally would running a website, and you just put your images over there instead, and then it just handles everything for you, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but then it turns out if you like look at how much that's going to cost you like in the long term. And if you have like if you have a thousand visitors a day, uh you're talking like now maybe a hundred bucks a month already, right? Mm-hmm. And now if you've got ten thousand users a day, you're literally taking that times ten. That is right. literally what's happening. <laughs> yes, right? it's, it's basically becomes the question, which is like what happens when what happens you have when the you success scale? you want, actually. Right. And so and what we try to do is plan both for the infrastructure that we wanted long term yeah. and for the success that we wanted long term. It's dressing for the job that you want. Exactly. You know? yeah. yeah. But yeah. but it is yeah. true that you can't you can't always do that. And like it is a good problem to have to have your tech not successfully scale with mm-hmm. the scale of your success, right? It's I mean it's a bad problem to have also, right? It's it's both of those things at once. Because hopefully if that has happened to you, then you now have you now have the the support that you need, whether the financial or staff or whatever, to now fix that problem, right? As a consequence that it's coming along with scale. Um, but it can be very bad if your stuff mm-hmm. doesn't scale well, because like the, if the, you just the cost can't. for web services, I think is when you're using web services at a low level, you can use services that that you're paying flat rates, you know, whatever it is. The moment you go into that space where you have to be able to scale to outrageous numbers, uh, you just have to pay for whatever you use. There's like there's no flat rates anymore, so. Mm-hmm. So if we just suddenly had to had to service, uh, you know, a hundred thousand players a month versus what we're currently serving right now, uh, it just would our cost would just go up fifty x or a hundred x. That's <laughs> yep. just they would just scales linearly, right? Yep. And by controlling our own tech stack, we get to control completely where all those costs are coming from. We can control the design of everything, so we know like how much bandwidth we're sending, mm-hmm. what we're, how we're going to cache everything, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, so I think for the long term, this was definitely the right move. Um, the short term, though, if you don't need it. Uh, it was a decision by our studio to say that uh, that our our unique tech capabilities are one of our core value adds. Basically. Right. Yeah. So we did it ourselves. So we did it ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. We got time for one more question. The Emerald DL says, do any of you particularly like mathematics? If so, what is your favorite area that is not directly related to web development or programming? Uh, so I l- love statistics, mm. which I guess – Kind of, the, kind of the long and short of it, but um, but statistics is fun because uh, it gets a really bad rap um, because people are taught it poorly and boringly, mm-hmm. and people use it poorly out in the real world and boringly and boringly, <laughs> uh, but most most importantly, misleadingly. Because the thing with statistics is in the end, it's just like it's it's some claims you're making about the world based on some things that you've measured, right? That's what that's what it is. Like our team has 300 combined years of industry experience. <laughs> that, would, that would be a statistic. Yep, right? yeah. And then you could do statistics. I don't know. There's, there's like – there's correct ways to say these things. Who cares? Um, our team has an average of 300 years of <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. But, it's, but being able to convert numbers into things that you can say about into, into things that you can say about truth in yeah. the world, right? Um, along with the idea of like what that means with the degree of, of certainty and that sort of thing, right? Uh, is basically a magical power. It's like programming. It's very right? fascinating. It's too. very cool to, mm-hmm. to be able to say if you can so, – and, and, it, and it goes down all the way down to the level of basically knowing what questions you can even ask. And then how do you collect the information that lets you get at that question? And then how do you evaluate the data that you have now measured you know, to, to try to get that question? And then now that you've done all of that, how do you convert this into things that you can reason about? So you can basically say like, mm-hmm. this is big or this is small or this is good or bad or whatever. And and then how do you know that you can trust that, right? And, and in what context is this actually a valid way of seeing the world? And it's so nuanced and so complicated and interesting, uh, but it's actually, it's not, it's not hard the way people think that it's hard. They think it's hard in the wrong way, where they're just like, yo, you have to memorize all this stuff they, and all they this. They think things. the math is hard. They think the math is hard, yeah. but it's actually the reason. There are people, yeah, the, yeah. Most people know the math. They can learn the math and then they just well, the use is, it you wrong. Don't, you don't even have to know the math, honestly, because like, you, you can use statistical packages 
um, mm-hmm. to do any math that you want. In fact, everybody who does a lot of statistics does that. Oh, yeah. no, nobody no does doing the math. math no, yeah, nobody yeah. does. Um, and, and, but people who are doing like real statisticians will know the math behind it, at least at some point. Right. Right. They probably don't anymore. So like, if you were to take any, any of the things I learned back in my, my ex scientist career, uh, there's a whole bunch of shit that I knew at that time that I just mm-hmm. don't know anymore, but that doesn't mean I can't still reason about and, and make use of the right. sort of the consequences of, of knowing those you know specific facts. Um, but it, it's the, it's the using it as a tool to reason about the world. It's that part that is the interesting part. Mm-hmm. And every, every time people are learning about it, they're always focusing on, here's a formula for this. Here's when you can use it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, now let's do this on some, on some money numbers, like as, as if the only place to fucking use statistics is money numbers is business. Is business yep, right. Yep. And even in business is actually, we start asking questions about how users behave. Like also now it's a psychology problem. Right. And we are talking about science and then you're, and you're trying to ask some question about how the world works. And so the the depth of understanding you have to have about the problem to even be able to to obtain data and then reason mm-hmm. about it, it's actually it's like the numbers are insufficient. To me, this is the beautiful thing about statistics is people want to be able to convert the world into a set of numbers and then be like, now now we know how the world works. And that mm-hmm. is literally never that is never it never has been and never will be how it works. It's actually a human brain applying reasoning to to their understanding of the world to a model of to a world. model of the world mm-hmm. and like trying to convert that model into measurements, then convert those into something that you can then use to, to hold on to in your brain so you can reason about something. So you can make decisions or so you can make decisions. something about it. And so, yeah, I think it's very cool and it's very powerful. And it's the fact that there is no truth there. You know, it's just like, yeah. it's, it's you doing your best. It's a tool Then yeah. you're, you're doing your best to use it as a tool to reason about the world and, and try to establish a better sense of how the world works, which is not the same as the truth, right? But just to try to get a better sense. Uh, I think it's, I think it's empowering. It also, it, it tells you about the reality of the world that we live in, which is that nothing, there are no facts, right? There's just truthiness. There's just truthiness. You know, there's just like <laughs> the world as best as we can tell what the world is. And so, so I think statistics is, is, is probably the most viable reasoning tool that humans have invented. Mm. Like I would, and I would stand behind that. Um, but and you got to be able to use it properly you gotta be able in to order to reason with it. <laughs> it's actually very challenging, but it's, but it's challenging in the way that puzzles are challenging. You know, it's, it's actually yeah. just really interesting. So I'd say, but I had a really fun chat with, uh, with someone at an industry conference. <clears throat> they said their team used market research to drive the entirety yep. of the development process. I think I told you guys about this. The entirety of the development process for a game, from the art style to the type of game they're making. It was like A-B testing. A-B testing constantly. everything. Yeah. And always picked the thing at once. Because because logic would dictate if you show people two things and you always pick the better one, mm-hmm. better one, uh, and you just do that a thousand times for everything in your game. A winner of a product. Yep. Uh, and the reason that this doesn't work, of course, is because – Because you, you have to know what you're measuring. You have to know what you're measuring. Uh, and then, of course, you can't necessarily have an a entire audience decide what it is that they want. Unfortunately, no. Also, each of those pieces don't operate in a vacuum. Yep, context right. is completely important. Context so, is essential. And so, comically, and I guess maybe not comically, uh, how do you think the game did? I did, know, did you it, yeah. <laughs> it did poorly. No bueno. No bueno at all. And everyone's like, well, "This is a piece of garbage." <laughs> yeah. Well, because it's. Yeah. I mean, context is essential, but also you have to know what you're measuring. So, if you're doing an A/B test, it, yep. it seems obvious. Like it seems super tricky. You're just like, okay, if I do an A/B test, I just say, "Here's my two variants. Let me go try these out, and then whichever one is better." So, but the question is. What does it mean to try it? That's question number one. So you have to send it to people, presumably. How are you sending it to people? Mm-hmm. Do those Ooh. people? How do those people represent the people who will actually who will actually mm-hmm. get it? Right? Because now you're doing a you're doing a sampling, right? So now you have to understand about how sampling works, and how to th- how to reason about finding a pool of people that match this. And you have to ask things like, okay, what could possibly impact this because this is not happening at the same time, or maybe it is. So I'm like doing uh, A/B tests, like on a live, like a live ops kind right, of a thing. Right, Facebook or Google. Or something. Um, and actually you're going to have to in order to remove a whole bunch of variables that, mm-hmm. that might come into play. But it's this kind of thing. Like now you've started like drilling down and asking all these questions about what happens if I do this and what, because the question that you say you're asking is not the question that you're actually asking ever, right? Mm. It's, you say, I'm doing an A-B test to find out which one is better, right? That is the, that is the high level, abstract, completely wrong right, <laughs> question, right. right? The question you're actually asking is, is some elaborate long as fuck Right question, right? That the takes into account when the I context. expose two different people to these right. two different versions of this thing under these very specific circumstances, right. and then do this math on on those results. Right. Uh, Which one gives me a higher number based on the specific thing that I measured? Right. And, and how? And then and then based on how I've decided to interpret that number as being mm-hmm. actually larger or smaller, 
uh, do I believe that there is a difference and that it is in a favorable direction? Right. That means that this is actually more or less or whatever. And then, so that's the actual, that's the, what your answer is. This reminds me when right? we did And a- then the question after that is now, how do I apply the answer to this question to my, to the world, yeah. to like the target audience, yeah. to whatever, right? We did A-B testing on Crashlands icons. We literally just put a, a fucking picture of the, the sawmill yep. just sitting there. No characters, no action, nothing interesting happening. Just a picture of a wooden sawmill. And it did great. <laughs> yeah. My favorite one, if you recall, was when we deleted the entire description. We deleted the, the store description. Didn't matter. Didn't matter at all. A-B Man. test. Worked out great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's, there's the you, fun thing about live A/B tests, though, is that they actually get to use them because because you sort of you've actually truly split the world into yeah. two fragments, you know, and you can just try a thing, but you just have to be careful with your interpretation of that. Yeah. But if your goal is basically to say, I only care about whether exactly these two things being tested right now, mm-hmm. if one of those has a higher click through rate or whatever, right? Because you have to also be careful too, because just because the thing creates a higher click through rate. Does it doesn't better? mean it's better because the people who end up getting there might be the people who actually don't want to buy it now, mm-hmm. right? And so you have to really know what it is you're trying to accomplish and then, and actually pay attention to the right things. But to me, that's, I, I think this is so fun and interesting to just to mentally engage with these kinds of problems. And I think it's just a huge bummer that that is a tool set as a way of a, approaching the world because that is how the, the world works statistically. If you had one book to just suggest people who are interested in stats. Oh, for stats. But the Drunkard's Walk, maybe? Uh, the Drunkard's Walk's good. Yeah. Yes. That's probably a good yeah. one. How random it's called the Drunkard's Walk, How Randomness Rules Our Lives. Yeah. yeah. And there's a Check what, it out. what was that other How Not to Be Wrong? Yeah, How Not to Be Wrong, which but, is a more broadly math book, but there's a bunch of statistical mm-hmm. concepts in there. Um yeah, I think those two would be a great like they're you don't you don't they don't teach you any math. No, you don't need math. What I love but about it is it's, it's about like the 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 fun thing about like math in this realm is it's about reasoning and it's yeah. about logic and thinking about the world. Um, it's not about what formulas did you memorize, which is how everybody is fucking taught is what math is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a great episode. I think it was on Radio Lab about the modal American because people are always talking about the average American. And they're mm-hmm. like, but who's the modal American? Like, <laughs> modal, modal meaning the most common whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It turns out it's children <laughs> because they have no discernible characteristics from one another. Because once you become an adult, it's like, all right, you got income brackets, you got careers, right. you got mm. blah, blah, blah. Are you retired? Are you working? Whatever. But kids are just, they're all the same. There are no, <laughs> there are no factors to split them apart. There's not no factors to divide them. And so the immodal American is just some random kid. Amazing. So, nice. all right, that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we've got links to the community Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.